And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 178 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. It's like just yesterday we were recording episode 181. It does feel that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, that's because we recorded our spooptacular last <laughs> night. Yeah. Two episodes in two days, so just gonna be up front. This is gonna be a zany one, probably. Yeah. Or Plus... it will be 47 minutes long, and then we'll be done. One of the two. Could be that, too. Well, I, I have a drink tonight, so there we go. Uh, I also have a drink tonight. This could be old school panelology. Who knows? Hey, my... Mine is an old-fashioned. Oh, there you go. How yeah. about that? So how was your week this week, Brian? Uh, Very similar to how it was when we recorded the Spooktacular episode. <laughs> but we didn't talk about it then. <laughs> Um, actually, I've had a, I've had an okay week. Nothing, uh, nothing too crazy. My week's been all right. I'm done, uh, selecting payroll systems at work and now just fielding stupid questions about payroll systems at work. That sounds about right. Uh, and then in rehearsal, which is always fun. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, the good news is that as of today, the main rehearsal hall is no longer 63 degrees. Oh, the, well, that sounds like a big benefit. Yeah. The bad news it is, is the bad news is it is now 79 degrees. Oh, that's not okay. They're still fighting that fine-tuning that new HVAC system. Clearly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, at least people aren't having to huddle together for warmth. True. True. Yeah. That's, I guess that. Hey, that's. I guess it depends on your uh, the way you look at it. But yeah, sounds like a yeah. improvement. <laughs> Want to talk about some comics? We should talk about some comics. Yes. All right. Let's talk about Second Coming number three. <laughs> Man, I like this book. I do too. Um, poor Jesus. Poor, yeah. poor Jesus getting arrested for being harassed by a bigot. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um... For actually saying out loud, Oh no, I'm Jesus Christ. I'm back. Yeah. And, you know, it makes me... Somebody, um... I saw something at one point about how if, you know, the whole Christmas story of, you know, Mary and Joseph with baby G, that whole thing. Uh, like, if, if two people who didn't have a place to stay just showed up and knocked on your door Christmas Eve, would you let them stay with you kind of thing? <laughs> like that kind of question, right? Yeah. It's the same kind of question with this in, in modern day. Like if somebody said they were Jesus Christ, would you believe them? <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I, I love his comment when the police take him and they're like, oh yeah, we're going to have to get a psyche valve and blah, 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 and put him in the cell. And he's like, mm, maybe things haven't changed so much after all. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, the devil tried to warn him. Uh, this is true. The devil did try to warn him. I, yeah. Uh, I, I think one of the things I enjoy most about this is that going into this, I thought that, uh, I think, is it Bright Star? Sunstar. 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 Bright uh, Star is that other Superman character. <laughs> uh, was going to be like a complete, you know, like stereotypical type jock jerk yeah. guy, right? 
and he's really not. You he expected is... him to use the word bruh too much, yeah. which is to say at all. Exactly. Um, and he's he's not that at all. I mean, he very clearly makes mistakes and thinks wrongly. Yes. But it's not a like a willful that. He knows not what he does. It, 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 exactly. It is. It's. It's more thoughtlessness than a choice to be that way. Yeah. It yeah. is inherited social norms and <sighs> toxic masculinity and those yeah. kinds of things that just like are something many people have to avoid and fail to avoid. Yeah. It goes back to what actually makes Superman work, though. Like he is the most interesting when he is the most human. Right. Yes. Like, Seeing Superman punch or get punched is not interesting. Seeing Superman solve a problem he can't hit, right. that's where the meat is with that character. And 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 this character comes face to face, you know, yeah, I can't use force to solve every problem, right? Yeah. And when I do, it often leaves me in a worse place than I was when I started. Yeah. 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 And also my childhood home is now a sex toy shop. <laughs> there is that. Uh, yeah, it, it, no one's immune from nostalgia, even superheroes, huh? Yep. <sighs> Just um. like the British Parliament, Superman has to worry about Black Rod. <laughs> nope. Not touching that one. Not touching that Black Rod. Nope. <laughs> there were very large black dildos and the jet black in harnesses it, it, yes, in the, yes. in the, in, shop. In the yeah. shuck shop. Yes, yes, there were. Yeah. I mostly just have been waiting for some opportunity to make a Black Rod joke. About the <laughs> representative of the House of Lords who visits the uh, House of Commons when they are shut down. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Not up on your parliamentary procedure, I see. Uh, I'm, again, not touching that one. Okay. <laughs> well, we can review Robert's Rules of Order on a different podcast. Yeah, that, would, that would be a wise choice, I think. Definitely think that would be a wise choice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, but I, I, I love... I mean... It's no secret how much I love Mark Russell's commentary on society. No, it's very good, and everyone yeah. should read it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know what? I've been fascinated by the letters in the back, though. Yeah, I've skimmed through some of them. I have not yeah. read the whole I letters have, column. Exactly. So. I've read probably four or five between the first, yeah. between you know, the second and third issue, and it is. Uh, it, it, I am pleasantly surprised, I will say. Yeah. I am sure there is some decision-making that goes into what gets that, printed That's probably show. true as well. That's probably Hey, true. look, yeah. here are... Like, the very first letter in this issue is a minister talking about reading this book and thinking it's a great portrayal of mm -hmm. the mistakes that can people, happen right. inside of religion. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The mistakes um, the people practicing can make. But I think mostly th there's been some letters where people disagree with either the whole thing or, or a specific, you know, reference, mm -hmm. right? But they're very, they're very kind in how they criticize. Yeah. Right? And, like, to me, that's, yeah, that's how it should be. Well, there is value <laughs> in uh, uh, giving the platform to voices that can have a constructive conversation. Exactly. And I think that's what yes. the letters column does well. I think th that is a very, very well put way of stating that. Yes. Yes. Yep. Uh, speaking of Galactic Messiahs, flash forward number one. Uh, yeah, Tempest Fuginaut. I know you were waiting yeah. for this. I was, and as it turns out, everybody wants to save the world except Wally West. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. Um, I enjoyed this a lot. 
I love Tempest Fujinot. I cannot even explain why I love him so much, except just he is so, like, the love child of Jack Kirby and uh, Grant Morrison. That absolutely fair like 100 accurate simultaneously this really classic thing but also this new thing mm-hmm. um and i'm sure that is why i like him as much as i do also part of it is because of his whole, look wally you fucked up yeah but you're the only one who can do this and i'm not asking right yeah. vibe that he gives off of this it's just yeah. so good it's the okay literally right now you're the only one who can save the universe guess what I don't care if you want to or not. You have to do it. Yeah. Stop moping up. Stop moping in your prison cell. Yeah. And uh, do the damn thing, kid. Yeah. Yes. Which is, I think, what Wally West needs after Heroes in Crisis. Yes. Clearly, Wally is in a very, very depressed state. He is. And I understand, given the events of that, that that is a reasonable place for him to be. Sure. I just still don't buy the him getting there from that. Uh, if I'm being honest, like the right. events of Heroes in Crisis, yeah. I just kind of have to accept that is the status quo and move on. Yeah. But uh, so does Wally. The hardest part in this was seeing Linda Park. I think. I think it was supposed to be. I don't think it read for me, but I think it was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I do, I, I, don't get me wrong, I think it felt very forced, but still. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, so dark universes aren't being destroyed the way they're supposed to be. Right. Right. Like we learned, we learned in, in, what is it? Uh, uh, metal, right? What was the, what were the metal books? Dark Knight's Metal? Yeah, Dark Knight's Metal. There you go. That the the dark universes, right? Get created from the bad thoughts and the bad choices and all that stuff. And that they... Uh, uh, they exist and then decay and fall into nothing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, entropy exists to kind of keep all of the dark what-ifs from bubbling over. Correct. But there is no entropy for those dark what-ifs, and they are bubbling over, and they are, like, becoming... They are incurring... Can you use incur as a verb there? They are incurring into as an incursion? Hmm. Huh. That's a good question. I don't... Hmm. They are seeping into the multiverse as we know it yes um and i love this as metaphor like this is the thing i really love about this issue the the baggage of heroes in crisis for what it is just at face value right the thing i love about this is the metaphor of it the idea that okay if wally west's role in rebirth is bringing everything back together and wally west is in this place where his own dark thoughts guilt shame the actions that led him to or the 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 events that led him to his actions and heroes in crisis if he can't let go of those like the metaphor of him having to clean up the universe that he's a metaphor for mm-hmm. from these dark universes that just won't go away seeping right. in like there's something i really like about that i think it, it, it's a it's, clever setup yeah the, the whole his dark thoughts and what has happened to him is he's not dealing with it it's bubbling up and yeah. it got to the point that it caused this in his life yeah Because there's this, I mean, the thing that struck me while reading this is Heroes in Crisis should be a dark universe. Uh, yeah. Heroes in Crisis makes perfect sense as one of these other universes. Yeah. 
It doesn't make sense to me as, like, part of continuity. Well, and... And I think there's something really interesting in taking that idea and saying, okay, well, what if it's a symptom of this other thing, and what if those symptoms parallel, even if not explicitly, a symptom of that other thing? Right, right, right. But what if all this parallels what's happening cosmically right like, like what if what if this is what if heroes in crisis was like the first example of how these things bubbling up will affect the yeah. world right like yeah. if life gives you lemons make lemonade this book is lemonade <laughs> <laughs> okay if continuity gives you mm, some problematic setup what's the best thing you can do with them i could not imagine a better way to like take a mini series and say okay let's rehab wally west now yeah yeah um, Agreed. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I'm super ready for this character to to move to something other than where Rebirth and all of this has put him. Yeah, I mean, even, even ignoring Heroes in Crisis, he still has not had a chance to really get outside of periphery post-Rebirth. Right. Like, he still doesn't have his place back in oh, not continuity. Oh, not at all. Anywhere close to it. He the, hasn't closest, really... the closest thing he had was in Titans. Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't really gotten to interact with, you know, the, the, the more tentpole characters much. Right. I think we had, like, an issue where maybe he hung out with Superman. No, that was Dick Grayson. Uh, where Dick Grayson hung out with Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, we just haven't seen a whole lot of him getting to be really a part of continuity. And I'm okay. hopeful that this shifts him there as yeah. well. Yeah. So, I think it's a solid start. What's next? Superman, number 15. Superman. So, I read 14 and 15 together. Yeah. Um, and so I got the whole reintroduction of the Legion and John's idea for how to help the universe and all that in one big shot. So, yeah. Um, this was, I think this is going to be a, I mean, <laughs> a tentpole day, a, a big, <laughs> big day in the, in the future of the universe. Yeah. Because I, I mean, right. That's the whole premise of the Legion showing up and that whole thing. But I say Four that. Four minutes I, too early. I, <laughs> that is hilarious, by the way. Um, but I love the, that or I love I like that they're doing something to establish a more cohesive thought out universe for yeah. you know beyond earth in the DC universe. So when it was announced that Bendis was coming to DC, mm-hmm. the first thing I said I wanted him to tackle mm-hmm. was Legion. Yep. And I know we haven't gotten the Legion book proper yet. That that's coming. Yes. But I'm going to say it now. I was fucking right. Oh, you were right. I'll tell <laughs> you what else. is so good at this. I'll tell you what else I'm going to say right now. Yeah? I fucking love this take on the Legion characters. Me too. I really like just the the fresh look, the voice, the, yeah. And I think these character designs were Ryan Sook. They were, uh, yeah, I think a lot yeah. of them were. I, there was a, you know, it, and DC's been running in the back of their, at least in the print issues, and I think in the in the digital issues. Yeah. Um, Like, you know, either previews for a book that's going to be coming out, or sometimes they'll do interviews or whatever. There was an interview about the whole Legion creation thing, and yeah, yeah Sook talked about how he came up with the designs for some of these characters. Yeah. Super cool. I, it's funny. I don't have really any history with the Legion of Superheroes to speak of. But 
more and more lately, I really think we need them back around. Like, I guess it probably started with the CW stuff, because what makes more sense for a CW superhero show than the comic about comedic teenage angst? Yeah. And then they started introducing a lot of these characters through Supergirl and doing a really great job with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, like seeing there's something I think inherently optimistic about them. At least, at least yes. in Bendis's take of them, that's definitely the case. Yeah, my most familiarity with the Legion is reading old '70s comics of Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, yeah. and that was, you know, back in the whole uh, everything was was black and white and pristine, and you know, yeah. you guys always win and that whole thing. And so they have always been that uh, that ideal of hope yeah like i that, think and that the future is going to turn out okay the only real experience i have with them outside of supergirl and the occasional issue here and there mm-hmm. is that episode of superman the animated series where they like show up in smallville while clark's a kid and like i don't know maybe that's just where i go first this idea though of three of them showing up and being like hey we know you're a kid now but the universe is gonna be fine for like a thousand years to come Mm -hmm. like there is a future and it is good right right and like the things you do today can make the future good i I don't know there's an uh, dc is not always the most optimistic place in Um, terms of its continuity no you get things like commandy yeah yeah but there's something about the legion at least as i understand it without a super deep knowledge of it right that is inherently optimistic and i think this issue these two issues that you read this issue in particular like really does call to that idea well and this was something like even back in the 70s right that was always a tentpole like core value of the legion was that each one of them came from a different world right well they say it in here each one represents one world and one power right And, like, it was uh, one of the big things about the Legion was that whole idea of inclusiveness and that, you know, a thousand years from now that, you know, a lot of the bigotry and hatred and all that stuff just doesn't exist anymore. It's like Starfleet. Yeah. And it's... That is such a great ideal to know that you're striving for, right? Yeah. Yeah. I do, the other thing that I really super am happy about with this new approach, right? Yeah. Is, I mean, Superman is still Superman in today, and it's John who is the Superboy that is part of the Legion. Yeah. Because it, 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 there was always that real super odd disconnect that Superboy from Smallville was, went to join the Legion in the 31st century, and then, like learned so much about how what superman was going to be when he grew up and like just that whole yeah that that closed time travel exactly exactly and now it being john you don't have that kind of baggage and that and that weird vibe to it yeah that makes a lot of sense i do I also get the sense along those same lines that one of the things Bendis is trying to do as he rebuilds the Legion is to make it feel relevant to what's going on in DC's full line to keep it connected. Mm -hmm. Kind of like... Kind of like Batman Beyond since Rebirth has been a thing. Yep. Has, if subtly, reflected what's happening in current continuity. Like when Tim Drake disappears from the current day timeline, he disappears in Batman Beyond. Right. 
Uh, future Barry Allen, who we saw recently in The Flash, has been introduced in Batman Beyond. Okay. With the same design, like, that's his timeline he's in, and, like, he's contemporaneous to Barry Allen, or not Barry Allen. He is Barry Allen. He's contemporaneous to Terry McGinnis as Batman Beyond. Got it. Um, you even see a little bit of, and this was always kind of there on the TV show, but, like, Bruce softening to the idea of Melanie being part of the team like i think they may be in the process of building toward melanie becoming batwoman oh, as okay. as bruce and selena regel at the same time in batman like bruce suddenly is yeah. more welcoming to melanie in okay. the future that's that's i i do like the, the uh, when they can make that symmetry kind of work right yeah yeah um and I, but I I, what, I get the same sense from what kind of what Bendis is building here that this is going to be something especially with Millennium being about a consistent through line from point to point to point to right. point throughout the future like all of this is connected I think that's that's the thesis he's opening with right yes yeah and Superboy can go to the future and maybe can come back we don't know but presumably like it's not a one-way trip no clearly i mean they came here now right yeah sure yeah um (laughs) i did like the the other thing and i'll be i am super looking forward to the next issue yeah when he reunites and talks to Damien. Oh, me too. Yes. After Especially all, the, now... you can't be one of the Teen Titans. You're not a teenager. <laughs> and now he's older than Damien, and yeah. he's getting invited into the Legion. Yes, uh-huh. this is going to be fantastic. You can see it now like, oh, you're older now. You know, you could join the Teen Titans. I could use an ally. Actually, Damien, I can't. I've accepted <laughs> another offer. <laughs> With some older kids. Yeah. They're about a thousand years older, in fact. (laughs) Or are they a thousand years younger? (laughs) I also like the little nod in this issue, too. Uh, While while Adam Strange was talking to Superman, he's like, these kids are from the 30th century? 31st. Yes. Because they've they've moved it forward a century now that we're in the 21st. Yes, yes. Um, I, I do like that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up was that, because yeah, the Legion is obviously kind of the big, the big headline story, the A story of this, right? Yeah. But, um, Superman and Zod and how that was dealt with, I am I think, also very, very pleased with. I think that's great. Bendis has kind of teased that they would become allies because we even saw a wedding between right. the houses. Correct. At one yeah, point. Yes. Um, the other thing in this issue that is important is mm-hmm. both the end of the Rogelzar story, but this is also the end of our Jor-El story. It is. It is. And the, the most recent issue, 15, is framed as Superman finding out that Jor-El has been found guilty and sentenced and punished already in, like, the one way that made sense to everyone. Yes. Which was to return him to where he came from. Right, return him to the moment that he was pulled away from Krypton. And, spoilers, but that moment is an amazing moment. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, he returns just before he's left, and all he has time to say is he did it. Mm -hmm. Or he does it. Yeah, knowing, like, and he's talking to himself, his younger self. Yeah, and he's and it, I mean it's it, there's no question what like the way it's framed and how he shows up and what he and how he says it. There's zero question. He is telling. Yeah, he shows younger, up. Yeah, he shows up as the world is crumbling around himself and Lara. Lara, yeah, he does it. 
He brings the universe together. He does it. And then the next page is just the planet exploding and a rocket shooting away from it. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, just that idea that he would give his younger self, you know, the father, that comfort of, you made the right choice, you you know. Yeah. 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 I love Bendis writing for DC so much. Oh my god. The other thing, and this was kind of a small moment, but I think it was it had so much impact on me, was Adam Strange telling Superman. Yes. Like, the fact, you know, he's like, they wanted somebody that you knew that was a friend to, to be the one to tell you what happened, yeah. what was decided. And what what even, was... what's the first thing Superman asks him? How's your family? Yeah. Right. And like, so he tells Superman, you know, what the judgment was and what the sentence was. Right. Yeah. And Superman, you know, his response, I appreciate how hard that was for you to tell me. Yeah. Yeah. But like, thank you for being willing to have the strength to come and be the one that tells me this. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But like, oh, wow. Because you get Superman going, well, maybe I can go talk to somebody, maybe, like, before he's told that it's already done, right? Because, and, like, they never get into this, but, like, you know that they had to do this before Superman could say anything. Because if Superman asks, on this day of all days, they'd have to say yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and Adam, like, points out, you know, if it wasn't somebody, if it wasn't your father, if it wasn't someone, you know, one of your relations, you would have to agree with the judgment that came through, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, brutal. Yeah. Like, such a bitter, like, it feels like, like the fact that all of this fits into one issue and it works is Uh in and of itself just amazing. Yes. Because it feels like it should be two totally different books, let alone two totally different issues of a book. So much going on, all of it so, so well written and good. Yeah. Yeah. Bittersweet as fuck. Teen Titans number 34, or this whole episode will be about Superman. (laughs) Um, you know what? This is another one that is kind of that way. So this is another one where I read, um, two, I read 33 and 34. Yeah. Um, and 33 was like the second half of the Lobo story. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of leads to what happens in this one, which is someone takes Jen's ring. Um, and we know from past issues that if someone has her ring, they can control her. Okay. It's kind of like owning the magic lamp, right? Yeah. Um, and she has a couple of times willingly given it to one of the teammates because they, if someone compels her to do something, she can do more and like have stronger abilities than yeah. if she right because she has no choice you remove her willpower from exactly. the equation exactly um and so and then of course they you know they gave it back damien was one and i think uh crush maybe hmm. was one um and but her ring comes up missing and they don't know who took it so damien goes around confronting people in the damien way they know <laughs> it was they are they highly suspect it was one of the team members yeah and so we kind of go back through some scenes that have happened in past issues about, well, you know, you have this motivation. Maybe it was you, whatever, whatever. And, uh, you know, we're kind of led to the, the team is led to the belief maybe it was Red Arrow who has left the team. Mm. I um, assume as fallout of the whole killing Slade thing. Yes. Exactly. Um, in and, her defense, he got better. <laughs> yeah. But they don't know that yet. Uh, um, yeah. 
So Jin shows up and basically takes out Red Arrow. And then we see who ordered her to do it and who mm. has the ring. And that's where this issue ends. So it is very much a setup. I don't know. I am I really, really like these characters. I'm not certain they have long-term plans. They have some really good, like, like immediate things like this, like what's going on right now. Yeah. I don't know if they have, if they're building for something, though. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of building for something. Yeah. House of X number five. <sighs> cool. Talk, talk about building for something. So, uh, spoilers. There's just no way to talk about this one without talking about spoilers, especially no. if you're not 100% up to date. Correct. Yeah, like, like, and uh, you're right. You have to read all of, you have to read this, you have to read Powers of Ten, you yeah. have to read all of these. Yeah. So, let us go back, Brian. Mm-hmm. Let us hop in our Wayback Machine. Not sure which of us is Peabody and, Sh- no, I'm Peabody, you're Sherman. <laughs> Come on, Sherman, let's go to the Way, Way Back Machine. Yes. Um, let's go way back to House of X number one. Mm-hmm. When we saw Scott and Gene crawl out of pods, Ugh, and we said, oh, somebody's cloning people. That's super fucking creepy, isn't it? <laughs> Turns out it, it is and isn't simultaneously. They are new bodies with just, like, auto-save to the cloud loaded in. <laughs> that is all I can think of. I love Jonathan Hickman. I love Jonathan Hickman so much, and... I say this because you know he fucking said at some point, it's basically the cloud. It's, We're just going to talk about the cloud for mutants. Hey, it's Dropbox for mutants. Yeah. Cerebro is now Dropbox for mutants. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's B-O-X. <laughs> of course it is. Um, Cerebrox. Well, it, it, it's B-O-10. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Of course. Exactly. Um, and but how are they doing this? They have, uh, the five. And One of is... the five, you all, and by you all, I mean everyone who laughs when I earnestly say, nah, I like this character. I know. <laughs> when I read this, I was like, oh my God, Alex has to be so ridiculously happy. You motherfuckers. <laughs> have all laughed when I have earnestly said, no, Gold Balls is cool. And about half the time been like, now you're just making things up, Alex. (laughs) But not only do we get Gold Balls, we get Tempest. We get my two favorite Bendis X creations. And literally, Gold Balls is the whole thing that makes this possible. Gold Balls balls be legit, yo. (laughs) Yo. Oh my god. So there are five they they call them the five um Which, or or the host to they're, be, they're known as both. As a quick tangent before we get yeah. into it. Okay. The use of the five in uh-huh. terms of X-Men is in and of itself especially with this kind of like uh it's not a celebrity. He is very specific about that. Uh, what right. is what is their status? Uh they are celebrity like is cultural through works. icon, right? Yeah, they are like paragons or whatever. Yeah, um, um uh, trying to remember if he but the I know he talks like, about it in here but I don't remember exactly where the use of the phrase the five immediately made me go back to the phoenix five from avengers versus x-men okay it's just such a loaded especially with like hope being one of them boosting their powers yeah because it took like hope and the scarlet witch to take down the phoenix five yeah um 
The other thing I think that this issue, maybe even more than any of the others, um, really drives home how much every single mutant, I mean, and we get a different example of it in this as well, uh -huh. but just how much every single mutant who has come to Krakoa has submitted to this goal of, the, of, of whatever it takes to, to, for the future of mutants. Yes. Right? Like, it's like, okay, and, like, they're not arguing or... And I'm sure they're still discussing and giving their opinions, right? But there's no there's no real open conflict about what has to get done. Right. I yeah. Mean, we see in this issue Apocalypse come to Krakoa. And right. And uh, Wolverine asks, is this gonna be a problem? Mm-hmm. And Apocalypse's response is, and why would it be, Wolverine? For centuries, I have fostered war and conflict, all in hopes of mutantdom finally asserting dominance over this world. Now look at you. Look at all of you. You have finally become what I intended you to be. I could not be more proud. Yeah, and I, 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 I that's the same reason Magneto is so all in on this, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like... And, but it's a beautiful, beautiful combination of, you know, them basically asserting themselves in the way that Apocalypse and Magneto wanted. Yeah. But not like hostily against humans. Yeah. Right? Like, no, okay. So if you want to treat us differently and, you know, and persecute us in your countries with your laws, et cetera, et cetera. Then we will create our own country. Yeah. We will we will set our own laws, and you will just recognize us as an independent state. They went through diplomatic channels, right? Correct. It was paragons. Celebrities are something achieved yeah. through works. There Cultural you. paragons are something sacred to be treasured. Yeah. So the five: Fabio oh. Medina, Gold, Gold Balls. balls. Yep. A mutant capable of producing a limitless amount of unviable biological eggs. So it, so it turns out his gold balls are biological material that is, uh, it's almost like stem cells for mutants. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Kevin McTaggart, Proteus, a mutant capable of warping reality and transforming an unviable egg into a viable one. Yes. Joshua Foley, Elixir, a mutant capable of biologically kickstarting the process of life, initializing cell replication and husk growth. Husk right. growth. So essentially, they take uh, uh, the biological unviable egg. They Proteus warp, you know, warps reality to change it to a viable egg, and then Elixir starts the the whole growth cell replication process. Then Ava Bell, Tempus. Mm -hmm. a mutant capable of temporarily maturing a husk to a desired age. Right. So she. Force matures it. And Hope Summers, mm -hmm. a mutant capable of enhancing and synergizing the other mutant resur sorry, the other resurrection mutants' powers to ensure the success of each resurrection. Yes. So she basically enhances their abilities and allows them to work together to be successful in this. Yeah. And then there's a description about how um, you know, at first this was kind of taxing to them. Yeah. But like the more they've done it, A, the easier it's gotten, and B it's no longer a burden at all. Like, to them, the five of them doing this process is, like, fulfillment. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, like, something that, that completes them at this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it also talks about the whole process taking about 48 hours and the math right. of what it would take to bring back <laughs> every mutant who's ever died. So Hickman. Oh, my God. That is, like, one of the most Hickman things. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, 
how creepy is the resurrection ceremony? Um, it is super, super culty. Like, super fucking culty, right? Also, if Jin were here, there would be at least one, hey girl. Oh, at least right one. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they crawl out and they essentially come before storm seems to be the one that welcomes them back right? yes but there is literally like all the mutants or at least all that can are available to attend right attend yeah. the ceremony where the ones who are resurrected come back out and aurora says yes i see that you are you know you appear as gene gray but who are you and they make a statement about something that is either intrinsic to their personality or like something they remember about their relationship or something that kind of shows that they are them. Yeah. And Don't Storm touch is me. right. Yeah. Storm is yeah, you are you are absolutely definitely this person and I see you and you are my sister or my brother, you know, Cyclops or or Jean Grey and but more than that you are and like the whole crowd goes mutant and yeah. I'm like, Okay, this is This is a cult. Yes. Oh, like one hundred percent. We also get in but, this but Every, that's and that goes back to but every single person has willingly bought into it. Yeah, they've all consumed the Krakoa aid. Oh my god. Speaking of Krakoa aid, yes. We learn which countries have rejected Krakoa's aid uh, and yeah. refused to acknowledge Krakoa. We do indeed. You get a lot of places you'd expect Iran, Madripoor, North Korea, Latveria, Russia. The most interesting one on this list, and oh, oh, this will not be a good thing in the future. Wakanda. Yeah. And, the reasons uh, listed uh, are always like. Kanan and Kenya because they're all protectorates of Wakanda. Yeah. yeah. The uh, reasons listed are like ideological, political. Then you get down to Wakanda. They do not need mutant drugs. Yes. It's yeah. just. You have nothing to offer us. Well, and you know what? It it makes me wonder. So these are, specifically, these are countries that have not accepted trade deals with Krakoa. It doesn't say that that means they haven't recognized their independence. Um, Does it? Yeah, that we have rejected a trade treaty with are considered to be naturally uh, adversarial. That's why I read it as yeah. loaded, though. Because the yeah. assumption is if they're not doing trade, they are an adversary. Okay. And... <laughs> Hickman does have a habit of, uh, I mean, like, a lot of, especially the MCU portrayal of Wakanda. Yeah. Especially as it fits into uh, the Thanos stuff, the right. the Infinity War mm -hmm. in particular stuff. Like, that is very much out of Hickman's Avengers. Yeah. Like, Hickman likes using Wakanda and Black Panther and building in that part of, especially when he gets into geopolitical conflict. Right. Like, one of the, one place not on this list, and I don't know if it's just not there, or if there's a reason it's not there, or if they've accepted the deal, is Atlantis. Like, oh, right. The, yeah. the, there is a huge Atlantis-Wakanda beef that is out of Hickman's Avengers run. And, well, even before that, uh, Hickman's time on Avengers vs. X-Men. Although, you've got you to gotta think, especially with the, uh, the X-Men Red Book, yeah. that... Uh, Namor is fairly friendly with, you know, the mutant. But so is Wakanda, program. typically. Like, yeah, but I mean, Namor is a mutant, so yeah. you know, right? 
Um, he also used Wakanda in his Fantastic Four run and Atlantis right. yeah, both. Yeah. Like, I would be shocked if at some point we don't see specifically Krakoa interacting with those two countries. Yeah, that, and that that's a very that's a very Madripoor is the other one that I think is you know yeah. potentially interesting, right? Especially with like Wolverine and all and, of that. Yeah, and Latveria is the, another yeah. obvious one, right? Now, did you catch in this? Speaking of Wolverine and Madripoor, makes me go to X Force. Did you catch the? Uh, uh, maybe a bit of foreshadowing in here in talking about how the resurrection protocol works. Uh, about the last note under the resurrection protocol. It is also expected that should force conventions oh. become necessary, oh, yeah, yeah, yes. their yes. extra special mandate would supersede normal resurrection protocols. Mm-hmm. So when we get to this X-Force book, yes. how many X-Force teams do we think are going to be running around simultaneously? Ugh. Who knows? So, yeah, one of the things that they, they talk about the strict protocols around when a person, when a mutant will be resurrected. Yeah. It, you're using this process, right? Because like, it is resource intensive. Well, not only and that. And there is a fixed rate. The, the super, I mean, to me, the obvious thing that they, they want to avoid, right, is creating another say scott summers and then finding out that scott summers isn't dead so there's two of them and really one scott summers is more than enough uh, uh, right and you can do that with anybody but they talk about how yeah there has to be an actual specifically a mutant witness of the death or like this certain period of time where they can't be located with Cerebro and like this whole process. In other words, do you want Goblin Queens? This is how you get Goblin Queens. (laughs) Yes, exactly right. They all know Spider-Man. They know don't fuck with clones. Don't mess with clones. Now, that being said, you know that shit's gonna happen. I'm telling you, (laughs) right now, prediction. By the very nature of X-Force, you are a secretive team and nothing about what you do can get out. They could have multiple teams of clones of the same X-Force mission members running around and never cross paths in theory and then you know at some point in this book they will run into a team of their own clones yes you know it has to happen like what like one team gets turned evil or something right yeah or just like they're both chasing leads on two yeah. different yeah, things yeah, and but, end up right. in conflict yeah yeah it is it is chekhov's x-force clone team <laughs> chekhov's x-force clone team yes you are correct. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that is very, very clearly in there as a as a seed. Yes. Uh, a seed? A Krakoa you like seed? That? You like that? Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the happiest and most upbeat hmm. book of this week. Spider-Man number one. Oh, my God. Who the hell are you? And what book did you read? Because How? Oh. Who hurt J.J. Abrams and his son so much? <laughs> I read this and I was like, are you like trying to make people cry and hurt them? Good God. Or Peter. I mean, don't get me wrong. He, he, he doesn't handle it the way he should by any stretch. But and then even worse, poor Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Mary Jane, who just gets fridged in the first three pages. <sighs> um. Yeah, I think my favorite part of this book is uh, Faye Ito. I was going to say Faye Ito is very good. Yes. I do. <laughs> I did love Ben. So Ben gets sent to detention instead of being suspended. He gets sent to detention, um, and he is in detention. And this girl walks in, and she 
has she's got sh- side of her head shaved and she's super super trendy and all the and she walks in and she's got green paint like on her skirt and on her shirt and on the side of her face and like kind of all over and she walks in and sits down and Ben goes she, she, Ben's just staring at her and she goes what so I was wondering um if I was looking for green paint do you know where I can find some <laughs> it's like what a dick. She was also, but but at she, the same time, very funny. She was also <laughs> fucking with a sexist teacher, so yes, like, right, yeah, 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 like taking no shit. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely here for Fate Ito. Yes, yeah. Also like, here for Aunt May just being unfazed, walking walking in and seeing this kid <laughs> hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, Aunt May is clearly the rock in this <laughs> in this book yeah some things will never change some things will never change and so she takes ben upstairs into the attic and says by the way i know you've seen some of this old stuff up here before but check under the floorboards yeah. and he finds like letters to pictures old pictures of his mom and letters from his mom to his dad and all the and then at the bottom he finds peter's old suit peter's old spider suit yeah um I think this is probably going to be good. I, I like it. it. I mean, it definitely had a strong opening, I guess is the right word for it. But uh, it was right out of the gate. Not what I was expecting this to be. I liked it, though, I got to say. Or I, I think it has potential for me to like it. I'm going to say it that way instead. Did you uh, happen to notice where the fight with Cadaverous that uh, resulted in NJ's fridging happened? Did I happen to notice what about it? Where it happened? Oh. Yeah, on the bridge. Uh-huh. Yeah, where where Spidey Uh-huh. Where, where Gwen died essentially in yeah. the original Yes. Oh yeah. Very much so I noticed that. Just uh making and sure. That, th- that was that was not at all accidental. I mean, yeah, there's a scene where like she gets stabbed through, right? And Cadaverous yeah. throws essentially throws her off the bridge and there's a picture of Peter swooping down and gr- and catching her. That is the moment where I realized, oh fuck, it's the same bridge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And but she's already gone. Yeah. yeah. Holy wow! And then Peter doesn't deal with it well. I mean, no. which is which is very Peter of him, but yeah, yeah. Um. So, what do you think Cadaverous's deal is? <sighs> Because at one point we see him in some kind of layer full of Ozymandias screens. Well, maybe not Ozymandias screens. They're computer monitors. Yeah. And he's got like a tray with a chicken leg and some sausage links and a thermos there. And he's like eating hot dogs off his pointy fingers and staring at, I don't know, Nora Freeze in a tube. Well, and that's my question, right? This is the... the is this the fucking figure, Miles Warren? The figure in the tube is washed out to the point that you can't tell like hair color or anything else really about them other than it's female right yeah and i say it because it's at this point you know who knows what it is right yeah um that's the only reason i use that pronoun but uh, so is it mary jane is it gwen is it i go to gwen before i go to mary jane because you get like light and dark tones and the hair is a lighter tone maybe i mean honestly like all things aside i go to felicia before i go to either of the other two okay but we'll we'll see we'll see but Either way, super, super damn creepy. Of course there are fucking clones. <laughs> it is a Spider-Man book, after all. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you notice Peter doesn't have an arm? Yes. He has an artificial arm? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Things have not gone well in Peter's life in this universe. No, like, suddenly I miss the relatively upbeat uh, 
Spider-Man life story. <laughs> Indeed. All um, right. Five issues, though. This is a five-issue miniseries. Yep. Yeah. Cult classic, creature feature, number one and two. So, uh, this book and the next book we're going to talk about, we have advanced copies of From Vault. Mm-hmm. Um, we are beyond the embargo date, so we're going to talk about them. They're not out yet, though, so uh, if you become interested, you can check them out. Yeah. By which I mean order copies, maybe still? At least grab them when they come out. If not, yeah, you've yeah. got enough that you could go have your comic shop pull one for you. Yes. Yes. So first up, cult classic creature feature number one and two. Um, so I read number one of this, and this is very, very much Saturday Night Drive, Saturday Night Drive-in monster movie. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's got a little bit of like Invasion of the Body Snatchers kind of vibe, mm-hmm. but definitely I think more grotesque than what you would have gotten in there. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I think I think it's a number one. You do see a girl's like skeleton crawl out of her mouth, like a middle school girl. Yes, yeah. I I, I mean, yeah. You totally get the whole, you know, uh, night gallery or creep show or you know that kind of vibe. Um, yeah. As a matter of fact, there is on the uh, in the comic there is that show that runs on Saturday night. Yeah, which very much made me think of. Um, oh God. Who is Clint's character in uh, Adventure Zone? Ned Chicane. Ned Chicane, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, very much got a, a Ned Chicane thing going there. Saturday Night Dead? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I always think of, uh, what was the name of the vampire on, um, oh, fuck, what was that show called? It was Martin Short, and he had pointy hair, Ed Grimley. Oh, Ed Grimley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was the name? Was it Vampire Lou? Count Floyd. Oh, Count Floyd, yes. Count Floyd and his scary stories. I will always, <laughs> 100% of the time, if you talk about like late night horror. Yeah, yeah. I always think of Count Floyd from Ed Grimley. <laughs> okay. If you just need a little bit more insight into my brain and how I got 32 years later to being this. It involves watching a lot of Ed Grimley at night on Cartoon Network in my formative years. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I can't argue that statement, but sure. Um, but again, and I would say this is very much more horror-y than that. Yeah, yes. there's, there's some there's a couple couple of gruesome things going yeah. on here. Yeah. But this is not this is not parody. No. This there is, is if literally anything, a, it's pastiche. There there is literally a whole group of kids, you know, that gives a whole uh um, a Stranger Things vibe. Right? Yeah. Riding their bike. They're they're like trying to play Ouija in the basement and then they go ride their bikes into the woods and they, they pretty much all die. Yeah. Yeah. It is yeah. things do Oof. not go well for them. No. Um and then we meet I think who is probably gonna be our protagonist in this, right? Yeah. Jared. Jared. Yeah. Yeah. Um and that's up the the introduction of the creature and this setup that uh, yeah, this is a not gonna be a good place is all kind of all you get from this first one. Yeah. Yeah. Um Issue two obviously goes further into it. You do see more of Jared okay. in there. Um, so you are correct, I think. There you go. 
Um, this is a five-issue miniseries, so it is tight, done in one. And I think this whole, like, this is not the first cult classic book that Vault has put out. Right. So this is, in fact, I think it's the second. So I think the whole idea is, like, this is sort of an anthology series of miniseries. Okay. Yep. Um, Elliot Ray Hall, uh, oh, right, yeah. yep. John Bivens, Hannah Jerry, Iris Monahan, Taylor Esposito are the creative team here. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a uh, an Afterlife with Archie variant because they've been doing the homage variants for all of their books. <laughs> yes. The one for this is Afterlife with Archie. Um, the art in this very very well fit, and it's it's funny because it's not an art style that I would like with a lot of things. Yeah. But I love it with this genre and this telling story style. Yeah, it's got like a grungy, indie, like almost heavy metal vibe. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm sure the fact that it opens with Aliens Crash Landing has something to do with that. Then we have the other book. (laughs) Then we have the other book. Interestingly enough, it does also have to do with Aliens coming. It... (laughs) Oh my god, you are 100% correct. And my my secreting into the universe is that we have a uh, Hot Man, Hot Girl crossover with this book. That would be... <laughs> Something would be crossed over. <laughs> Wouldn't it, though? We are, um, of course, talking about Money Shot, number Money one Shot. and number two. Yes. Um, <laughs> this is... We definitely talked about this in solicitations. There is yes, we did. No way we missed this. This is... I am... I am... So abundantly sad that Jen is not here with us to talk about this. I am too. (laughs) I am very sad. And she will probably, uh, I am sure at some point she will jump in and interject or tweet about or whatever this too. Because I know she dug it and I know she was very excited to get her hands on it. Very much so. Um, So to speak. Tim Seeley and Sarah Beatty co-scripted. Uh, Rebecca Isaacs is the artist here. Kurt Michael, colorist. I'm uh, sorry, Kurt Michael Russell, colorist. And Crank is the letterer. I say it that way because there's an exclamation point. So since we're mentioning the art in this was gorgeous, I thought. Yeah. I really, really loved the artwork of this book. Yeah. Yeah. The um, variant cover on this is an homage to Fantastic Four number 220. <laughs> um. That will be the one I will attempt to pick up. Yeah. So, yeah. The, uh, in the, the article I'm looking at here to pull in creator names, there's a quote here from Tim Seeley. It's about porn, but it isn't porn. <laughs> that's, that's a fair statement. It is definitely about that, though. And somewhere so... Jason Alexander goes, not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> this is a group of scientists who... Well, let's remember, historically, this is a real-world phenomenon. Technological invention Mm -hmm. is often adopted first by the porn industry. (laughs) That is not what this is about. And if if you doubt that, go look how many VR video games there are, then go look how many VR pornos there are. I don't... I don't disagree with you, and I think it's for the same reason that it happens in this one. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So there are these five scientists, um, a physicist, a, a linguist, a, a biologist, a linguist, a roboticist, and an yeah. astronomer. Uh, robot? I mean, one of them builds a robot. Yeah, so. that's, that's fair. That's fair. So, and they all kind of had their ideas and, you know, in this, what, what is clearly this, like, college or, or research institute. We don't really get an idea of, exa- I think, exactly what it is. Um, 
But somebody, th this other person came along and had this idea for what she called Starshot, which is clearly a transportation vehicle to travel to other worlds. Yes. Yes. And she kind of ended up soaking up all the funding from these other four people. Um, like, all the money ended up kind of get, getting funneled into her project. From the university department, they were all. Right, up. right. And it was, it's not enough. So she is, like, in the, the opening of this, she is throwing in the trash can and says, I will never write another 300-page grant proposal in my life. I can't do it, right? Why do we have to spend basically 80% of our time begging for money instead of doing what we're supposed to be doing, which is our research and our science. As a someone who has a sister that works for a university, that her entire job is writing grant proposals, mm -hmm. yeah, I totally understand where this <laughs> comes from. <laughs> yes, yeah. I have heard about it. Now, have you I, suggested? <laughs> I have not, but I will suggest that she read this just for a lark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> One of this scientist, this kind of—I don't want to call her the lead scientist, but the one who has this project for Starship—is yeah. um, at home um, taking care of what she wants to take care of. Taking care of business. That's right. And she get this idea of—I'm going to use this phrase just as a callback to the Mike days when Mike was on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Because I know that if there is zero point zero 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 one percent chance he ever hears this but i know it will freak him out if he does flicking the bean look at the bean there you go um and she gets the idea of well hell they could raise money by getting people to pay for them to travel to other worlds to have to create porn with <laughs> alien races to have porn <laughs> to have porn because you know the the research is for porn. I don't know. <laughs> well, and this happens, and I, I distracted you. You were making the point, and I will finish it is, your point. It is one hundred percent a funding thing for them. She finds she finds porn that is like people in costumes, oh, right. yes. Yes. bad cosplay. Shall we yeah. say? Yeah. Um. She's like, well, if people will watch this garbage, uh huh. And if people can get off to this garbage, they just want to be, they want to see new things and porn has gotten boring. It's like an old man and somebody in a kaiju Godzilla costume. Yeah. And I think his, if I remember right, his name is Dusty Nuts. Yes. And if I remember correctly, the and kaiju Asasaurus. is wearing a strap on. And it's Asasaurus Rex, I think. Or yeah. Like yes. It is so, so awful. W-R-E-C-K-S. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah that's the, the concept is they want to crowd essentially crowdfund money yeah. by creating you know interracial uh interspecies porn with aliens to pay for their ability to go to these other planets and then like find you know fauna from there and yeah. study diseases you know bacteria there and yeah. all these things that they do as science right it's it's fundamentally the uh moral of avenue q <laughs> in volatile economy only stable investment is porn <laughs> there you go thank you thank you avenue q yeah. yes to quote trekkie um, monster trekkie monster yes um and so we see kind of their first go at this, I guess yeah. it is. Yeah. And also, like, there's relationship drama and sure, uh, not everybody likes everybody else on the team. So there's interpersonal, mm -hmm. like, both romantic and platonic relationship drama, professional Correct. relationship drama. Correct. 
Um, and of course, you know, how do you communicate with alien species and not offend any other aliens as you travel the stars and shoot your pornos? Super, super hilarious idea. And uh, like, uh, I, I think I like the characters. I think I like their personalities and their humor and their, you know, for some of them, it's snide and snarkiness. For some of them, it's, you know, naivete a little bit for yeah. yeah it's just yeah not in not in some obvious ways in this one because there's no naivete in these folks in that regard but yeah. <laughs> yeah so much fun but if they do travel to thanagar then you know and it's a shame i already used that black rod reference earlier in the episode <laughs> yes you did all right, is it still good? Brian, once in future, number two. Oh, um, this is still super good. Kieran Gillen and... Dan Mora. This, yeah, and this is um, our character and his grandmother sneaking in to observe a resurrection rite of King Arthur. Aquaman, yes. number 52. Brian. Ooh, me again. Um, sometimes you gotta pay a price for defeating your demons. And hmm, uh, God, I can't think of his name. Who created uh, uh, Cthulhu? Uh, the old racist man from New England. Yeah, him. Yeah, we can just call him the old racist man from New England. We don't have to name him. And, and well, Arthur meets him. So there you go. Um, I was gonna say perhaps the death of the author was over exaggerated. Ah, well they. There you go. Yeah. Batman number 79. Brian. <laughs> we now definitively know where the bat and the cat. Thanks, Snickers. <laughs> Justice League number 32. The once and future <sighs> Justice League teams continue to search for their uh, pieces of the totality. The totality. While uh, Lex and Perpetua find her missing son. Mm. Lex Luthor, Year of the Villain one shot, Brian. Um, the there there can be only one. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, Brian. <laughs> um, we will we'll get to it in a minute. So my quote of the week is in this. We will get to it in a minute. Um, but um, who knew that a scientist's gift of an assassination clone double of you would be the perfect gift? <laughs> Um, there is, there is Jimmy and, uh, a doctor that he is, uh, you know, tagging along with for reporting purposes, whatever, yeah. um, are in like this microverse kind of thing. Brian, and hang Clark, on a second. Yeah. Brian's quote of the week. Quote, quote. Thank, thank you. Now um, you can continue. There we go. Uh, Clark and Lois are like in the lab overseeing this experiment. Working all right. alone in the lab one night. <laughs> and Lois says, you know, you know how scientists are, Clark. Too preoccupied with whether they could do something. Yada, yada, yada. Boom. Suddenly we have a dinosaur for a mayor. And Clark goes, yeah. And how does he pass so much legislation with those tiny arms? <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a very good quote. And again, <laughs> sad Jenna's not here because I know how she appreciates quotes about tiny dinosaur arms. <laughs> Which is super extra hysterical to me because me and my kids rewatched Meet the Robinsons again last night. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, me and my kids rewatched We're Back, A Dinosaur Story. <laughs> no. Which should make you the first person to rewatch that movie in 20 years. <laughs> yep. Great big head, tiny little arms. Maybe this plan wasn't thought well. So, well, thought <laughs> through so well yes vampirella number three vampirella's therapist learns that she has mommy problems xena warrior princess number six uh the real magic was in the capybara all along <laughs> absolute carnage number three brian um peter makes a big mistake and you you you'd think it's something he would have learned by now you would think Absolute Carnage, Lethal Protectors, number two. Uh, Danny pulls together a team to save Misty Knight from the Cult of Carnage. Arrow, A-E-R-O, number three, Brian. Um, Arrow learns that maybe she doesn't know as much about about the the foes that she's fighting as she thought she did. And if anyone thinks I'm a dick for spelling it out to Brian, when we were making show oh notes, my God. he just stops and turns to him and he's like, I don't read Green Arrow. There's not a Green Arrow book out right now. Yeah, yeah. Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda, number one. Uh, Alex. Yes, me. This is a first issue, so I'm going to break format a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Uh, we have met most of this team in Jason Aaron's Avengers book, if you've been reading it, and this is spinning directly out of there. Uh, essentially it's kind of like seeing each of the team members sort of doing their thing and working these angles and then they find out who they're up against and oh shit it's the century death's head number three brian um clearly kate bishop has had to defend the use of arrows before (laughs) friendly neighborhood spider-man number 12 you know what spider-man and jimmy olsen have in common this week uh assassination body doubles being presumed dead oh okay yeah yeah peter does his own stunts (laughs) peter does Guardians of the Galaxy number nine. Um, we learn who uh, Jason's new god is as Gamora, Rocket, and Groot recruit the aid of a pre-existing space god in child form. Oh, is it Baby Thanos? Other team. Oh, okay. It's Baby Mages. Baby Mages. Hold me closer, Baby Mages. <laughs> Go. History of the Marvel Universe, number three. Um, the Fantastic Four are a thing, and so are so many others. It's the 60s now, yo. Yo. Magnificent Miss Marvel, number seven. Kamala takes her first weekend off since finding out that her father is sick and runs into creepy tech bro zombies. Star Wars Dr. Aphra, number 36. You can't double cross someone who's going to triple, quadruple, and quintuple cross everyone around her. You just can't. Best Star Wars character ever. (laughs) So fucking good. Where is her movie? I don't know. Tony Stark, Iron Man, number 16, Brian. Uh, Ultron's gonna fuck some shit up. Ultron fucks some shit up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Valkyrie, Jane Foster, number three. Uh, Valkyrie and, fuck, what's his name? Luther. Luther? Idris Elba. uh, Idris Elba, uh, um. Heimdall. Heimdall. Thank you. Yeah. Valkyrie and Heimdall uh, go to heaven and hell and beyond. All right. 
Yep. Uh, as a quick side note, it's actually Hades, and it begins to tie back into some of the Avengers' uh, No Road Home. So, so would stuff. you say they, they they went to Infinity and Beyond? You know, I had that thought as I was saying it, and I didn't mm. say it, so no, I wouldn't. Okay, I would. Well, that's why we pay you the big bucks. <laughs> All those bucks, yeah. yeah. You just have so, so many deer in your front yard. It's really problematic <laughs> at this point. It really is. You I have can't to, get like, into my driveway anymore. Squat <laughs> to walk through your yard under all the antlers. Next week's books to read there. Next week's books to read. Woohoo. Harleen. Harleen. Oh Harleen. Harleen. Oh, I cannot wait. The, I, like, every book I flip through this week has that ad for Harleen. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I can't wait for this book. Hey, uh, we're both going to buy both covers of this one, right? Oh, hell yeah. Because they're both Step on Shea covers. It's not fair. Hell yeah. Can you not put, like, Rob Liefeld on one cover so we don't have to? Yeah, like, like the only other certainty would be if it was a art Stephon Shayek and Art Germ variant yeah. cover. Yeah, like, I'm buying these. Yeah. See, I was anticipating that, like, I was ready for that. It's like, fuck, it's going to be Stephon Shayek and Art Germ. And then it's like, <laughs> Stephon Shayek and more Stephon Shayek. Yep. Well, fuck. Gotta have those. Got to have those. I cannot wait for this one. Yeah. I, even as jokered out as I am, I will, that does not apply here. No. Strike Force number one. There is one reason why I am into this book. Brian, mm-hmm. you know what this reason is? What is that reason, Alex? Teeny Howard is writing it. Yeah. I remember as they were announcing, I'm like, okay, good. It's a book. I don't have to read. And then they announced who By was writing it. Howard. <laughs> and it's like, well, fuck. I was wrong. I do have to read this one. Mm-hmm. Because I want to. Because Teeny Howard is very fucking good. Mm-hmm. Ether, the disappearance of Violet Bell. So if folks listen to our live Dragon Con episode, and they then, should, and they should, then they know that I had you and Jen read the first volume of Ether, and that we enjoyed it, and that all of us like it. And our rarity this... for Brian's pick. <laughs> and um, this is the third installment of. There's there's one in between called Copper Golems. Yeah. Um, and this is the third installment. Copper and... Golems. I hardly know her Golems. Ah uh-huh. Um, this I I'm super looking forward to it. Can't wait for this to start up again. Yeah. And last one, and I'm putting this here only because number one came out during Dragon Con, and we haven't talked about it on the show yet. Yeah. Doctor Mirage number two. Okay. Number one is very fucking good. It's Magdalene Visaggio writing Nick Robles on art, uh, who is the same artist who did Euthanauts with Teeny Howard. Mm-hmm. And basically, the setup here is. Um, Dr. Mirage may actually be dead, and that's why she can't see her dead husband anymore. And this girl shows up who's like, hi, your husband's been talking to me, and here's how we get out of dead. Oh. Yeah. Sounds like good information to know. Yeah. Very (laughs) handy, actually. (laughs) Yes. How to yes. not be dead. How to not be dead, yes. I know a lot of heroes who would who would pay dearly for that information. Yeah, like 13 more of them after Wally West got done. <laughs> I was going to say, like, you know, all of Spider-Man's friends and relatives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Captain Stacy, Uncle Ben, Gene DeWolf. <laughs> yeah. John Jonah Jameson Sr. When Stacy... <laughs> Yeah, list goes on, doesn't it? Apparently Mary Jane and the Abrams first. <laughs> so many. Oh, so many. Where Chris Pine is Captain Kirk and Mary Jane Watson is bad. <laughs> she just shows up on an island in the Pacific and has no fucking clue. Oh, do not start that. that was so wait, 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 wait. 
Don't Hang on. start that Hang again. Hang on. The 90s Spider-Man ended with Mary Jane turning out to be a clone of Hydro-Man that had taken her form because of Hydro-Man's obsession. And after having been married to Peter for like a year, it turned out she'd disappeared way before that. And at the end of the series, she turns into a puddle and he leaps into a wormhole to find her in this alternate dimension that she had fallen into. And then the series gets canceled and we never get resolution to that. Hey, Disney Plus, fix that. What if she's the smoke monster and it's really a water vapor monster oh we'd like to thank chase parker for our intro voiceover you can visit our website at panelologypodcast.com if you want to send us questions to answer we do that sometimes even when it's not a con sometimes uh, if you would like to rate and review us on iTunes, we would really appreciate that. That helps always, us out. Always appreciate Or just tell friends or random strangers or people put them whom in your you car want on a to long, yeah. uh, inflict some kind of eldritch horror upon. <clears throat> put, your, put them in a car on a long trip and... Yeah. Put it on and don't give them a choice. Yeah, yeah great. Um, you can tell people, and we appreciate that. That helps us. There's also patreon.com slash panelology, where you can go and financially support us, which we appreciate. You can buy merch with our logo at bit.ly slash panelology merch. Um, you can also listen to other podcasts we're on, that I'm on. Mm-hmm. And that Jin is on. And that Brian was on once. Called Minds at Yerk. Or if you want to hear me make predictions about what I think will happen in a 15-year-old TV series called Veronica Mars, you can listen to the Rob Thomas, no, not that one, Robcast. All right. All right. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. Hey, go read comics. (laughs) 